Welcome to Roguecast, the official podcast of Rogues Gallery. We'll talk comics for the week, as well as whatever news is on our pop cultural radar. I'm Randy. I'm Nick. This is Dave. And now, on with the show. Hello and welcome. We're, we're coming to you from Pokemon Day, which if you're hearing this right now, is over. Pokemon Day is over. <laughs> Pikachu is dead. Pikachu is dead. Why is Pikachu always dead? Maybe uh, uh, Pikachu Mewtwo is dead. Pikachu will rise again. But yes, uh, Pikachu is a uh, Christ-like figure. Um, Aren't there Pokemon. Like thousands of Pikachus? Yeah, but there's only one Pikachu. Like, oh. uh, like Christ, Pikachu loves ketchup. <laughs> I did not know this. I, I, this is something I learned through a weird. Uh, it's one of the books, right? Yes. It's one of the. No, no, it's in the cartoon and stuff. Like he loves ketchup. Oh, okay, I, I, I had no idea. It was in a Pokemon this. guide. That's where I first saw it recently. Sure. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm sure it's all over the place. But yes, it's a. It, it feels like a bit of deep cut lore for us to know. Yeah. So po- now Pikachu loves this. ketchup. Now you all know. Uh, uh, by the way, the, the audio may be a little gonna, yeah. wonky on this because we're experiencing some mic problems and uh, transitioning to new tech and stuff like that. I'm sure we'll all have it worked out in a week or two, but uh, Here, here's apologies the deal. if Randy sounds like uh, a rabid grizzly bear. I'm going to sound crystal clear <laughs> and loud. Y'all are going to sound distant and and uh, and heartless. Well, I, well, am I am distant and heartless. <laughs> I'm emotionally distant. Um, so, yes, if the audio is off this week, uh, it is because we are using the laptop's built-in mic. God help us. Let's make up for it with quality, yes. gentlemen. As always, Dave. No, not not me. Oh. Not me. A lot of you're times gonna, I hold back. You're going to bring your A game? I'm going to bring my A game. Nice. It's going to be the good stuff. Oh. I'm bringing my C game. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, this week in, in new games, uh, we have the uh, Cypher System, the new rulebook, which is we got the Kickstarter Deluxe Edition. This is the RPG yep. Cypher System? The Cypher System, which is supposed to be like very easy to prep and run. It's Monty Cook's game. Okay. Uh, there's a bunch of world books for it. But if you want to try the new system, it's a fancy book with like silvered edges and everything. Oh, yeah. It's a very nice, nice, looks so nice. Yeah, it's yeah. a very nice looking deluxe rulebook. And then their uh, sort of post-apocalypse Mad Max setting called Rust and Redemption. Okay. Uh, both, both of those came in this week. We have uh, Seven Wonders Architects, which are my favorite board games. Um, it goes up to seven players. You can play it at two players. It's one of those rare games you can play with any number. This is a new game? Uh, seven Wonders is, Architects is not. Okay. Uh, seven Wonders Architects, one of my favorite games. Um, you would put it above regular Seven Wonders, correct? Absolutely, yes. It's easier to play, easier to learn, much more fun. Uh, and I love Seven Wonders, but this is a better version of it. Um, and everybody builds a little wonder that they're, that's a little cardboard representation 3D of different of wonders. Now, what's the new thing? So the new thing is a is called Metals. It is a first expansion. Okay. And what it adds is uh, in between each player, since when you play the game you have a, you have a deck of cards, you're drawing cards from either your left, your neighbor on your left, or your neighbor on your right. Yep. You're using those cards to build your wonder and build your civilization. Uh, now there is a metal between each of you that has a separate goal, like have all five types of cards in front of you first or be the first one to have two um, victory tokens from warfare in the same round or whatever. Uh-huh. If you achieve that, you get the medal. It's worth four, four bonus points at the end of the game. You're okay. saying medal, not metal. Medal. Medal. Like a medal of honor. Yeah, right? yes. yes. Okay, got it. Yes. Just, yeah. just making sure. Um, <laughs> homophones? Synonyms? Homophones. Homophones, yeah. yeah, whatever. Yeah, homophones. Yep, that's it. Um, they're, they're gay telephones. <laughs> Oh no! Oh no! Randy brought his D game. 
Um, <laughs> anyway, so that's a little bonus scoring Children. thing. There's also two new uh, wonders in there. There's one that's Rome and one is the Civilization of Ur that give you new powers yeah, and abilities. Okay. And this is very cool. Uh, I played it with friends. It was a good time. Also, does it have the Greco-Roman baths? Uh, no, Dave. That that comes in the homophones. <laughs> it is. Um, there's also a love letter. Uh, which y'all know is a game of like bluffing and, and roll. Yes, this is the new version. There's a new version featuring the characters of Bridgerton. Yes, the uh, period piece yeah. Netflix show Down beloved. Abbey style thing. It's beloved. Yes. yes. It is. Nick, have you seen Bridgerton? I've seen the first season of it. It's uh, it's got the paladin from D and D, right? Yes. Is he a paladin? Rene pa- uh, Page. Uh, no, he's a sexy man that uh, people love. You don't have any paladin powers or like a sword. There's no sword fighting at all. His powers is hotness, Randy. He does not walk in straight lines. Okay. Uh He zigs and zags and uh, sexy time. I suppose that's allowed. Yeah. Seems like instead of watching Bridgerton, you might want to watch the D and D movie instead. But (laughs) said Randy, who's never watched Bridgerton. I've never watched Bridgerton. It's it's fine. I've heard there's no sword fighting or Uh uh, or paladins in it. I think there might be some sword fighting at some point, right? I don't think so. Does it not have some... It's all romance, Dave. There's no, I there's thought no there sword fighting. was fights. like in a duel or You're something. thinking of Outlander. I, yeah, maybe. you're thinking of Outlander. Maybe, okay. <laughs> anyway, if <laughs> you like... Outlander fought Bridgerton? I think Bridgerton would win. <laughs> um, anyway, if you like Love Letter and or Bridgerton, uh, you might yeah. want to check this out. If you like both, you should definitely check this Love out. Love Letter's uh, proven to be a very versatile game. Yeah. I'm trying to think of what the other some other there's, licenses that they've There's played. an Infinity Gauntlet version. Yes. And there's a there's definitely a princess. An, there, there's one called Princess Princess. I yeah, think. I think which is based off of maybe uh, like a manga. Like a, yeah, a comic or, like a, I think they did a Batman one at some point. They, they, they did do a Batman, Batman love letter. That's right. Yeah, trying to capture. Yeah, them. that's right. And um, and of course a uh, Willy Spivak Welcome Back Cotter love letter. <laughs> Uh, that's a reference that uh, nobody will even get. No, you're right. That's way too old. Yeah. What about the Bosom Buddies version? <laughs> Man. Um, Ru- Russell, we're counting on you to be the keeper of the lore here. <laughs> I, know, I feel like our audience Bosom might know Bosom. This is the, those were a 70s show and an 80s show. Uh, I mean, like, you got to be bare minimum, like, what, 40? Big Bang just, Theory love letter. Is that what you want to hear? Yes. Do we just need to put the tag old on our podcast? Yes. <laughs> I yes. just bring up Welcome Back, Carter. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, Dave, but you're always talking about Laverne and Shirley every time. One, every two, week. three, four, five, six, seven, eight. <laughs> um, Shamazel. 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 <laughs> Hassan Hassan <laughs> okay, now we can go on. All right. You have to finish it or else Laverne will come to the mirror at you. That's right. That's right. Uh, all right. Candyman? Yes. Yes. That's Bloody Mary. We also got the new Lorcana set. Dizzy yes. Lorcana. For the first time ever, it did not sell out day one. Right. We, have, we were actually able to retain one. Is this set three for them? This is set three. This it's called in, Into the, the Inklands. Inklands. I don't know what the Inklands are, but it sounds cool. Well, so I assume it's like the Disney animated. The second yeah, was called Floodborn, Rise of the Floodborn. Correct. And it says into the Inklands. I looked at a description of this, oh, and okay. it says something about the flood has given rise to the Inklands or something like that. Sure. So they're doing some kind of storytelling, kind of like magic, but it's like an ongoing story. The lore okay. sounds kind of cool. It does actually. The lore, Kana, if you will. I, I suppose so. Is that a combination of lore and Arcana? Yes. I just got that. Uh, <laughs> just now. Just I think now. that was kind of obvious. About a year ago. <laughs> Look, I'm quite dim. Um, anyway, uh, the starter decks in this one are a Moana and Uncle Scrooge. Yep. And a Peter Pan and 101 Dalmatians. Sure. I love the Pongo. weirdness of this. Oh, is it Pongo specifically? It's sp- specifically Pongo. Oh, okay. All right. The classic uh, team up. Yeah. But yeah, we have starters, we have uh, boosters. 
Did I know, check that out? There was a card, I think this is in the first set, that one of our staffers, Dizzy, was looking for, and I gather lots of people are, that has Tinkerbell grown super giant, like towering over land. I think like picking up like Captain Hook's ship like or Like Ant-Man style? And she looks like she's gonna, she looks like she's about to kick some ass. That's awesome. Yeah. Love it. Um, we also got the Warhammer Fantasy RPG book Lystria, which is a setting, Dave, you said this one... This is kind of their like pre-Columbian South America, Mesoamerica sort of thing. But it's where the lizard men are from in their version. And in our world. And in our world. Lizard men come uh, but from like Brazil. But like flipping through it, there's like, there's the, the, this is for the RPG, I guess, and has, there's lots of fun lore and stuff in it. Um, I saw like, you know, spectral drowned woman kind of oh, stuff. Cool. I think it has element. There's, there's a, there's somewhere on the the continent is a vampire too, uh, doing his thing. Uh, I don't actually know what like if there is a you know sort of traditional native population or if this is awkward. They replaced the Warhammer. The oh my god! I hope not. Yeah. yeah <laughs> that, they. I mean, I get the basic idea. They want to, to put the lizard men in like this uh, hot climate. Yes. Uh, they, uh, but yes, it's a little weird if they replaced. Say Mayans and Aztecs. Oh no! Um, the cover shows some dude who looks like uh, probably like somebody from like a Bretonian guy or whatever. Yeah, who looks like he's like kind of bandaged up and making it through the jungle and is not having a good day of it. Yeah, but I believe it's also supposed to be like one of these unforgiving places that's uh, that'll chew you up. So anyway, but it did look very cool, and because Forgotten Realms people from from back in the day yep. uh, may remember a place called Maztica, which was their uh, pre-Columbian version of the uh, yeah. of the same era. And I read a few of the books, and they were very cool. Really? I never read those books. Yeah. I gathered... I, I just looked it up the other day, and I think they put out three books, and then they put out the setting. And this is kind of neat. The setting is set immediately after the events of the three books. Like, oh. that's where they pick up their storylines and, and It was a prequel. Yes. Cool. Uh, a trilogy prequel, somehow. <laughs> sure. Um, we got a couple big board games. Uh, Renegade Game Studios' Veil of Eternity, uh-huh. which is... Um, I'm just going to read from BGG here. Players are tamers... Who hunt various monsters and spirits to tame those minions? So fantasy creatures are living among in harmony. So it sounds a little Pokemon-ish, maybe. Okay. Oh, includes cards of seventy creatures from myths all around the world. So you are like taming like creatures from mythology of various uh, cultures and making them be your allies. Okay. It is a card game. It, it seems like maybe sort of a deck builder kind that of. Sounds like, uh, that sounds like that sounds pretty cool. It sounds cool. Yeah. And then build your own circus. <laughs> um, we got the newest Unmatched, which is Sun's Origin, which is two uh, legendary Japanese... Uh, samurai types. Samurai yeah, types, yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, they're from history. They're from Japanese history. Um, and they're supposed to go particularly well with the co-op game that they did, I guess. Hmm. Um, and then we got Invincible Escape from Mars, which I believe is kind of a uh, social, sort of social, social deduction, deduction game. game. Yeah. Well, you know, Invincible, the whole deal is like the Martians, like like... Infiltrators, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, there was that whole thing of trying to escape Mars. Yes, in like the they already did it in the first season, but I think yeah, the third. Or I think kid. they hinted at it. I don't think they actually finished it. Oh, they? did they not? Okay. I don't think so. I think they showed it, but then they haven't shown the, the payoff to it. Ah. Yet. which is kind of how it worked in the comics too. Yeah, that's true. Um, so yeah, we we got all those games, and uh, now let's talk about comics. Hold on, what? We also got a restock and some new games in our indie uh, RPG section. Ah. Um, and, and, and most notably, I have to agitate for one of them. Passion de la Passiones. Ah, yes, the Passion of the Passions. <laughs> uh, this is the, uh, like, the Mexican telenovela style mm-hmm. RPG 
I believe it uses the Powered by the Apocalypse World mm-hmm. system. Uh, I don't know much about it, but yes, I believe if you would like to get up to the steamy and ridiculous and over-the-top melodrama of a telenovela, finally, there's a game for you. Yes. And that's and, and there's like five or six other games. Well, we, gotta, we got If I Were a Lich Man. Yes, that's right. Uh, a, I believe somewhat tongue-in-cheek, but uh, like uh, Jewish-themed uh, fantasy adventure yep. of some sorts. Yeah. Yep, that's correct. Um we got a restock of Dread, the popular horror RPG right. where you use a Jenga tower to uh, to create the tension of the game as, and, and pull that as, as the story goes along. There's uh, one about riding like borders and that kind of thing. Would seem like oh yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But I don't I don't know a lot about it. It yet. just looked I interesting. Made yeah. the signs and yeah. stuff for these guys yet, but um, and you know a restock of some of the solo RPGs that we've had. Uh, we we I counted yesterday, and I believe we had gone from. Uh, like a year ago, we might have had like one to three solo journaling type RPGs. Yeah, there are now like fifty. Oh yeah, there's like so many. And and they're, they you know they they you know commonly have journaling in there. They sometimes use springboards of like a fifty-two card deck or a tarot deck. That's that's a commonality to them. So you get certain randomized events, and you can use tables and charts and stuff in it to to prompt you uh, to what happens next. But uh, but yeah, it's cool to see that genre really forming up. Um, so, so yes, visit visit the indie RPG section. It is renewed. Yeah. All right. Now, Much like Pikachu when he returned, when he or, rises again, when he rose again on in, on Easter, which is coming on Easter. Yes. <laughs> A lot of people don't know the ties between Pokemon Day and Easter, but you know how they did. Um, you know how they did those Halloween Pokemon cards yep. that were pretty yep. popular. Yep. I don't know if they, they, you can exactly find resurrection theme up cards, but like. That, that, that Pokemon cards would be good little things to give out as treats on Easter, I feel like. He is risen, the Pokemon. <laughs> Pikachu. <laughs> Snorlax with sleepy butt. He is, he is risen. risen. <laughs> oh my. Not a lot of people talk about how the Christian church uh, took over Pokemon Day. <laughs> it was originally before... Yeah, believe it or not, uh, Snorlax was originally a pagan. Yeah, yeah, before the, before the, the Festival of Saints. The ancient Celts uh, <laughs> would try to summon him at the Feast of Samhain. Yes. And uh, he would devour children. Yeah, this uh, all sounds but, right. Yeah. Uh, but uh, that was mostly propaganda. He yeah. actually just uh, offered them snacks. Yes. And then took a nap. <laughs> now, now can we talk about comics? All right. <laughs> all right. Uh, as always, we start off with the the books that I think all of us are from the Energon universe. We are we are we are gobbling these up like like look we're new little kids loving comics like it's yeah, crazy. Yeah. Every time we get we're we're like a couple weeks ahead because they we, send we'll us review PDFs digital, a digital preview. Yeah, and so we all already read this a couple weeks ago. We've already read Cobra Commander three. Yeah. yeah. And we Transformers know secrets, Six, yep. like we we cannot wait. But every time a print, print issue comes out, we all give it a reread. And we're like, oh yeah, it's so good, right? Because uh, you know, I, I, I think I've mentioned this before. When we get a digital copy, it is covered with watermarks and stuff, yeah. so that we don't show it to everybody else, right? And it like it, it does hurt the art a bit, quite. And a bit. also, like if there's a two page spread, like there is in this issue of Duke, yes, it doesn't work as well. Yeah, in it's digital. a little. Uh, so and plus, we want to revisit and look for like neat little clues there, and, and like, and we always, always find are. them. Plus, if everyone would buy digital comics, we all would have to go on the street and beg. Yes. And start up our uh, our jug band for money, which we don't want to do. No I one, kind of... No one wants that. I, I sort of want to play the harmonica yeah. and the jug band. Sure, sure. Um, so this, this, this issue of Duke, uh, when last we knew, uh, basically, um, Rock and Roll and Stalker brought him in. Yep. And there was kind of a they, they actually mentioned in this that like, he was in rough shape at the time. He was kind of already hurt. Yep. And they're like... 
they're like, if he was in top shape, it's like, we don't know if we could have brought him in. Yep. Uh, which is kind of cool. That, that It puts Duke in that category of, like, kind of Captain America-ish. Yep. Yeah. Um, but it meant that, like, he got taken down without them punking him out. Yeah, and they, and they are prison. using... They're using the pit as a prison, which is so yeah. cool. Yeah, f- f- traditionally the G.I. Joe basis was set there, uh, at least in the comics. In the cartoon, they just had this crazy above-ground base that was never a secret. Nope. They that also, uh, as you may know, <laughs> look at from the cover of Duke number 3, introduce a familiar character who's not a G.I. Joe character. She's a Cobra character. Yep. Uh, and she was introduced in the, the the stinger of the last one. Yeah, yeah. but but the, with this in, this issue, an adjoining jail cell. Yep. With yep. We, we hear her. We hear her new name because she's not the Baroness de Cobray. Correct. Uh, yeah. Which I'm okay with that change. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but we learn how she got her name. We learn who she is uh, and and her sort and, of origins in this and world. We see her and first she, kind of scheme or interaction yeah. with the Joes. She's pretty cool. I liked it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I did too. Um, we also got the introduction of another uh, another Cobra cool Ajax, bad guy, yep. which we hit yep. guests yep. because yes, of one guests. of those cool hints. But but uh, this uh, person comes with uh, sort of a, a few other cool surprises, and one really notable thing happens with them before yep. the issue is out. Yep, yep. Uh, we won't say no. too much. The art kicks ass as usual. Um, I would say. Um, I'm really. I, I was trying to decide if I like this better than Transformers because I'm a little bit more of a GI Joe guy than I, Transformers. I do. I, if I'm if I'm rating them, it goes Duke then Transformers then Cobra Commander. I, I agree with that. Um, and I Void think, Rivals at the bottom. And that art in this is so good. Um, but um, sometimes sometimes Transformers is there for me, mm-hmm. and, it, and it's like it's it's. I think we all agree it's still super good. Mm-hmm. Transformers but, is my number one. But yeah, I think Rain and I are just a little bit more Joe Joe mm-hmm. fans. Yeah, this um, is. It's it's tough. Like I, Transformers, the book I would call my favorite book, but I think I like Duke just a tiny bit more. Anyway, all great though. All right. Yeah. What else we got? All right, the Savage Sword of Conan returns. This from- is interesting. Like there's 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 another there's been a new Conan book for uh, what a, six months a year or whatever. eight issues in eight this issues in. This looks like it was just pulled out of the seventies. Right. It is the <laughs> people people who were fans of the original Savage Sword of Conan will remember it was a magazine sized yep. larger larger sized black thing. and white. And black and white, and uh, somewhat push the boundaries a little bit. There could be a little bit of light nudity in it, like toplessness, and, and, and more violence. A little yes. more violent. Yeah. They were always kind they of were like, like big magazine size. Okay, yeah. So this one has a, a this is black and white story. It also used to contain stories of Cull and Solomon Kane. This one does have a Solomon Kane backup. Yep. Uh, but this is uh, this has one big story lead by um, John Arcuni, who has written yeah. a lot of BPRD yep. and some other stuff, co-created The Mask. Yeah. Uh, the art is done by uh, Max von Fafner. Okay. I don't recognize the name, but it is really beautiful uh, black and white art. And it's a big story of Conan. I don't want to give away too much, but I read through it. It's it's really cool. It's, it's, the, it's the age of what they call General Conan. He's been hired by this prince to take him to this, this, uh, this foreign land and like... Uh, and launch a siege for him, but there's some stuff that goes on. Huh? Uh, it was a good. It's a good sort of done in one story, and then there's also a uh, a prose short story by Jim Zub, who's been writing the uh, the main Conan book for them. A few pinups in it. Yeah. Uh, some pinups and a uh, a backup Solomon Kane story written and drawn by Patrick Zercher, who okay. you've seen in various. Man, I things. was supposed to do that. That was actually the one that kind of intrigued it's me. It's stunning artwork. Solomon Kane doesn't get a ton of screen time, but yeah. Uh, but yeah, he's. He fits so much into that kind of, like, weirdly, the Warhammer sort of setting. You know, the idea of a yeah. 
ass kicking Puritan kind of dude yep. who's like angry pilgrim man. He's an angry pilgrim man. <laughs> uh, but uh, but yeah, he's you know he's a swordsman and he has like swashbuckler elements to him. And it's also got a really nice intro by uh, Roy Thomas, who's kind of a legend who wrote a lot of Conan, yep. and a, an outro, a an essay about Solomon Kane from a scholar named Jeffrey Shanks. Okay. Now, is so. this just a one-shot, or is this the start of a new book? The start of a new book. Okay. Yep. Next yeah. issue, we'll have a Conan book from writer Jim Zub and artist Richard Pace. Okay. I, I noticed it, like, in just in the last few days before it came out, we had, you know, like, people calling in and checking on it. Some of our other Conan subscribers were wanting to check it out. And so it seems like the buzz has been started building on this one. So nice. if, you, if you're a Conan fan, you probably ought to check it in out. In looking at it, I feel like we may have underordered it. I feel like people are going to want to be into this. So you may hurry up on it. Yep, you hurry up. <laughs> Uh, we got Spider-Punk Arms Race, which is sort of a sequel to the previous Spider-Punk series. I don't feel yeah. like you have to have read the previous one to read this, but it, but it does, does... pick up on some events. It picks up right after he has uh, overthrown President Osborn. Nice. Uh, and he... You know, and the kind of nice thing about an alternate universe is you can sort of have a little bit more easily big victories like that, or yep. a big thing, yeah. big change in status quo. They're, um, they're, he, he, is, he, he has a punk band. Featuring uh, Riri Williams, a.k.a. Riot Heart, uh, Kamala Khan, Ms. Marvel, Matea Murdoch, the uh, Hispanic blind drummer of Philly, Daredevil, yep. and Carl Morningdew, Captain Anarchy. Yeah, that's pretty good. Um, they, um, they, they are a superhero team, but they conceptualize themselves as a band. And, right? they're, and they're also very punk. Like they, yeah. they fight, they have powers... But uh, but they're also a band and they have like a social collective that they that they run. Yep. Uh, there's a uh, really fun couple of uh, bad guys working against them right now. It's it's a lot of fun. I recommend this book. Um, we've got the new What If Venom. Uh, first. This is kind of fun. It's like an alternate, uh, like like the in the eighties when he took over Spider Man mm-hmm. or late eighties, uh, like. Uh, this is essentially going to be. I, I believe each issue will focus on a different hero. Yes, but it is all one story. Oh, okay. So it's going to maybe leaping bodies and try, yes. trying to find the ideal. Yes, host. So, like I, I thought this might be like a. Here's a what if uh, about what if She Hulk became Venom, but that is part of the story. And um, it's also going to include Doctor Strange, Doctor uh, Strange, Wolverine, Moon Knight, and Loki. Right. So a lot of the Loki this... one sounds like a bit. I feel like I haven't read it yet, but that feels like it'd be the most dangerous. So this this kind of opens. I don't want to give away all of it, but uh, She Hulk is leaving a late night at the law firm. She wanders into the church where Eddie Brock is about to be taken over by the Venom symbiote, just as he was in the. Yep. And uh, Venom is like, "Oh, she's stronger. I want him, I want her." And so Venom takes over She Hulk in this universe. And so She Hulk is out like fighting crime as Venom. She has no idea what she's doing. She gets super tall, super tired. And she runs afoul of a Wolverine villain. Wolverine is out doing something on his own. We don't know what just yet. And she also, I thought this was very clever. Um, she's approached by a cabbie named Jake Lockley, who's like, oh, oh you having, yeah. you having personality problems? I can help with that. Oh, yeah. interesting. So, so, like, we see the, even She-Hulk is the focus of this one, but we see the pathway to these other yes. characters yeah. in yep. it. Yeah. That's pretty neat. Yeah. It's kind of neat. I, I haven't seen them do that before. A big, um, a big what if where they do a story. I mean, I guess, um, Chip yeah, Sadowski did that with Spider Shadow, but generally they're one and done. Yeah, one offs. Uh, they're continuing. Marvel's going to do these giant size. Uh, their 50th anniversary, which is it? Their 50th anniversary? I feel like they were older than that. Yeah, they're definitely. They're older than it. it says giant size 50th. I don't know what that means. Maybe it's the Fantastic first giant size. I don't know. Anyway, they've been doing these one these giant size, which they bring in a new creative team and do sort of standalone stories. This one is Fantastic Four. 
The backup story is the I think the first time they they teamed up with the Submariner, uh, or a time they teamed up with the Submariner because it wasn't the first time. Sorry, these are reprints or these so are it's new half stories? reprint. Okay, and, and then half new. new story. And the new story is written by Fabian Nicieza, the guy who co-created Cable, mm-hmm. uh, and also the New Warriors, Deadpool, and other <laughs> characters. Um, <laughs> and. Uh, this we'll one got me. Deadpool eventually becomes a popular yeah, character. You know. This one, uh, this one actually is. Uh, do you remember the Avenger Stingray? He's like a marine the, biologist. The oh, with, the yeah. with the white and red costume. Yeah, yep. yeah. So he has been hired in his capacity as a marine biologist, and he's like, when somebody hires me, they also get access to my Aquanaut Alter Ego Stingray, and he also brought in Steve Reed Richards. So they're doing some like deep sea exploration, and they discover this vault. And they unleash a guy who looks like kind of a big blue uh, Namor. Mm-hmm. Uh, turns out that his his he is the guy that is, that Imperius Rex is named for. Okay. Uh, so he's like he's like a Lemurian Atlantean hybrid, and now he's uh, like a conqueror. Sure. So I, that's that's kind of a fun. There's a lot premise. going on there, but that's some fun stuff. Yeah. I'm a fan of anybody using Stingray. Yep. Yep. I, I was that that got me on like Stingray, a, man. Nobody uses Stingray. Cut. Yeah. Um, there's another Women of Marvel special. They do these about once a year. Uh, this one is notable for having a Gail Simone lead story. Yep. Broadly speaking, these tend to be female spotlight stories, female creators Yeah, them. Yep. Anthology, different short stories. Yeah. The lead one is a Gail Simone story in which someone is kidnapping all the women from various timelines. And basically, he's he's kind of a riff on incels. He's going to create a world without females. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, and uh, the the he gets he gets stopped pretty hard. The kind of people hard. who say females yep. are the kind of people who would try to create a world without females. Very very deliberately done. Uh, Gail Simone, if you know, is is pretty hilarious and does some good stuff. There's also a, a Scarlet Witch story, a Squirrel Girl story, uh, a Monet story. Okay. Uh, Black Widow. Monet sometimes goes by yep. M. Right? She does. Yep. yep. Uh, and I believe a Madam Web story, or maybe that's Jackpot. No, no it's no, Jackpot it's, and Madam Web. Yeah, that's Madam Web. Um. There's not a lot of new stuff. Like those are the only new number ones right. this week. But there's also some notable uh, Avengers Twilight number three hits this week, which I uh, that got picked up. Like we had a one and two, we had a lot of them, yeah. and then they just flew out of here all of a sudden. Well, number one started going for weird money yeah. online, so you know. Uh, this Chip Zdarsky's kind of dark future. Yeah, for Marvel kind of Dark Knight Returns for the Marvel Universe, yeah. but Cap instead of Batman, and uh, this. This issue for me was the one that sort of turned a corner and became... They started going more to the heroic... It, it's been, things are bad. And this yeah. is the first one they sort of did the, like, the heroes are starting to strike back kind well, of thing. Well, I kind of... that Yeah, I agree with that, because I was kind of, like, losing interest a little bit because Zdarsky was, like, really kind of pushing into the dark and, yeah. like, staying there. And I was like, this is not what I want from an Avenger story. Yeah. But this issue definitely kind of... Turns that corner and yeah, it's still notable it's, development. It's still dark, but it feels like Cap is starting to maybe have some allies and and. Plus, we get a uh, he gets to sneak into a base, and that's always a fun, yep, yep. a fun thing. Uh, has a great last page. Yeah, great last page. What's um, on it? <laughs> comic books. Oh, uh, new issue of Immortal Thor. Yep. Uh, which I know we've been enjoying. Fights a big green tiger. Fights a big yep. green tiger. Is, these are people who actually like kind of know Norse mythology, I think would be particularly into these issues. Because it's essentially, it's adapting a very specific legend. And, um, uh, at, but there is also like kind of a weird and interesting meta thing that seems to be like, they've accessed the, like, is it Enchantress? 
It's yes. Enchantress and, and, and the, the Minotaur guy. I can never remember his name. Yeah, Johnny Rin- Minotaur? It's not Rintra. That's uh, that's uh, Doctor Strange's... Right. No, it's but not it's that. something, yeah. They, they are, like, looking at, like, a Marvel comic with Thor in it. Right. So there's yeah. a weird kind yeah. of meta level that it's, uh, it's working on, too. Uh, Resurrection Magneto hits the second issue. Yep. Yep. You know what? I, I have not read this yet, but I'm going to read it because um, it's Al Ewing. Yeah. And I, I was just flipping through it, and I was like, oh, there's this kind of moving-looking scene in it. And he's having some fun. It seems like having Storm traverse the cosmology of Marvel. Yeah. You know, we talked about the first issue had like stuff like, oh, the Living Tribunal is in there. Somehow the techno what is it the, the like phalanx the yeah. phalanx has an you know an element that expands into the kind of mystical supernatural afterlife too and she encounters that basically if the x-men have dealt with it or marvel universe has in an afterlife i kind of appreciate that this is not like some this does not look like it's a we just got magneto back in one day without too much she's having to go on this like epic greek hero journey into the underworld and it's all built out of Marvel lore, so cool. uh, so it's it's been more interesting than I expected it to be. A uh, couple facsimiles today. I saw you. Yeah, this is have, like an iconic one. We haven't talked about as much of these that the, that we got. We started carrying the facsimiles as a regular thing. Right. These are the ones that reprint some classic comic uh, first appearance of somebody or a notable uh, issue yeah. uh, in its entirety from as, various eras, like all the way back to like the Golden like Age. The, 40s like or very, 50s. Very beginning of Batman all the way to stuff that was maybe in the 90s or early yep, 2000s. Yep. yep. And they did they occasionally, although they are often one-shots, they've been doing kind of a few fun experiments where it's like, oh, they reprinted all four issues that comprised Batman Year One. Right. They're starting to do the same thing with Secret, the original Secret Wars. Yeah. Which I think is fun. I feel like you could like Somebody who's a fan of that could like give these to their kid as yeah. they're coming out, and you know you get to read Secret Wars the way we did. You get to read Secret Wars the way we did. Issues of Days of Future Past. Yeah. Yep. And uh, I believe Crisis on Infinite Earths is going to get the treatment soon. It is. Oh, okay. But this week, in addition to Secret Wars number two, somehow we missed number ones, which we get in that in a couple weeks. Okay. Uh, but we have Uncanny X Men number two sixty eight. Two sixty eight with the uh, very iconic cover drawn by Jim Lee in the nineties. Of uh, Captain America, Wolverine, and Black Widow. Yep. And a story that spans both the past and shows the, I, I guess, first ever meeting of Captain America and Logan. Yeah. And, uh, and, and also t- has elements in the present, and they beat up some Nazis. And some ninjas, and, right? And some ninjas. In yeah, Madripoor. This, they, they do. Um, so I think this is going to be a popular issue. Yeah, for sure. Uh, all right. Uh, there's also a couple graphic novels to mention. Uh, Owly, Volume 5. Yep. The super cute owl from Scholastic. Always a fan of Andy Rutten's. Uh, uh, for, if just in case you haven't seen it, this was one for like, like younger readers. Yeah. Although I think like anybody might enjoy the stories. Yeah. They're uh, all they're super cute. But uh, but yeah, he's a little sometimes melancholy owl in the forest, and it's his forest friends. Uh, but I, th- I feel like if you have like a kind of a little bit of a sensitive kid, this would be especially good story. Yeah, but also like it, it always turns out. It always turns out. It turns, for sure. For turns sure. out these okay. Yep. Good things. Yes. Um, and then we got a new book, another one from Scholastic called Rainbow, that is uh, about a uh, new student. It's like it seems like a sort of YA uh, queer friendly uh, girl who arrives at school and discovers that she's in a school for like uh, magical girls, I believe. Okay. Yeah. I've um, seen several fun inversions of the magical girl premise. Uh, in well, actually, over the years. maybe that is her. She's like she daydreams about being a magical girl, but she's in school. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So sounds neat. Uh, all right, let's take a break, and then we'll come back and do news and some topics. 
All right, we got a couple trailers to talk about this week. Um, let's uh, let's start both with kind of anarchic, but what we thought one looked kind of good and one looked kind of stuff. Yeah, they're both they're both uh, have that yeah this anarchic uh, action style comedy. Yeah, like music Guardians of the Galaxy, Crank. Uh, yeah, shoot 'em up if you ever saw that that, that kind of style. Should, do we shoot 'em up? Yeah, Shoot'em Up's great. Shoot'em Up is a great movie. It's on that Paul Giamatti as yeah. a villain. Yes. Yeah. Good time. He's having a great time chewing scenery on that. Yes, yeah. please see that movie. Clive um, Owen do a Bugs Bunny eat the carrots? Clive Owen is doing either a Bugs Bunny or he's going all the way back to the Clark Gable version of it. Yeah, yes. it's possible. I remember somebody uh, fires a gun with a carrot somehow. Yes. I, I don't know. It was, it was, it was good. It's, <laughs> it's a good movie. It's pretty good. Pretty Man, now let's just pause and go watch Shoot'em Up. Yeah, we're going <laughs> to really divert from these trailers and just go watch Shoot'em Up. Well, let's, do we talk about the worst one first? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So, Borderlands. If you know this video game, uh, I think I'm the only one who's played it here. I, I tried it just one time, just like just a yeah. little bit, and I didn't get enough to like, kind of see. Is it a third-person shooter? Or it's a first-person first shooter. Okay. It's very addictive because you're always gearing up your... You're always you know, getting your weapons and okay. upgrading them, and you find stuff out there. You get vehicles you can drive around. Now, are most but, of these characters recognizable from the game? I recognize a couple of them. I mean, I know Claptrap because that's yeah. just the so robot. The deal is like Claptrap's the notable character. In yeah, that. like Claptrap is the is the goofy uh, robot sidekick. Right, you don't play but him. Though. You don't play him. The deal is in the in the game, you're vault hunters. There's this vault in this alien planet. You're brought there by this sketchy dude. And dropped onto this this hostile alien planet to go and find the vault. Okay, a, and you're a bunch of crazy maniac mercenaries. You're a bunch of crazy types. maniac mercenaries. Okay, that tracks with the trailer yeah. that we watched. This is something slightly different, but it, it seems to be basically of, of a piece. They, of they it. seem to be looking for like like yeah like a very specific treasure like it's type got, thing. It's got you know how like Fortnite has all these characters that look super weird and all that yeah. kind of thing. It's got that like they all look weird. There's a girl with like bunny ears, right? And a big sure. old Jason Voorhees looking big dude. Jason Voorhees looking dude. Um, and yeah, this this is a this is a group of them that are looking for this vault, and there's lots of gunfire, and Kevin Hart is in there. Yep, and so it th- sort of looks like you know how the Guardians kind of hate each other, but then they're like, uh, they were a family. They were a family too. It kind of looked like that. So yeah. what's again? What's kind of interesting again. about this to me is that. Kate Blanchett and Jamie Lee Curtis are both in this, and I'm like, yes. "What are they doing here?" Well, Kate Blanchett actually, I think, works well with Eli Roth. He, okay. she did the House of the Clock in the Walls with yep. him, so that kind of makes sense. Yeah, worth mentioning. This is an Eli Roth movie. Does not look his usual horror stuff. This no. is this is. He's, if you, you know told what? me Robert Rodriguez was directing this, I'd, I'd buy that in a heartbeat. So, so Eli Roth has been broadening his spectrum. He did the kids' movie House of the Clock in the Walls, which is, I did see and was pretty good. Yeah, it was solid. Um, and what was he, he did? Some big franchise movie or. Doing some other one is he? He's a, like, did he do one of the like he didn't do one of the Disney adaptations? I know I'm, I'm thinking of another <laughs> guy, Eli but, Roth's Lion. King. But no, no, there was there was something like like another. Was there? I up. thought this was. So, I, don't know. I, I remember him recently doing Maybe Thanksgiving, of. which is yeah. a which is a horror thing. And it was right. supposed to be, it was supposed to be pretty good. Yeah, it was good. So I, I I want this to be good. It looks. It looks potentially fun, but also like as we noticed, Dave, all the dialogue and the, and the jokes fell a little flat. Yeah, yeah, they they sort of felt like like Guardians of the Galaxy, which was how long, how old is that at this point? I don't know, like a decade, at least or a more? decade. Yeah, yeah, it sort of it, it vibed like you're one of that, right? Um, and um, but yes, it, it is possible that they put together kind of the dopey trailer. Yeah, that there could actually be a better movie underneath it all. Yeah. So I'll, I'll allow it, maybe uh, so. as a possibility. Yeah. Um, and then the other one we saw is a movie called Boy Kills World. Yes. This is a movie uh, that's, um, oh, I guess it's an alternate timeline kind of dystopia. Yeah. 
where uh, what was it? I'm going to guess like mega rich families rule the world and stuff. Yes, and they yes. kind of sort of Hunger Games it or yep. or it what's like the Running Man? Running Man. Yeah, they put people in these Running Man type contests that have like sponsors where to them where you you might be like the people killing you in these contests could be like. Uh, Cartoon mascots like ser- like serial mascots. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Imagine somebody in a big Captain Crunch costume killing you. Yep. That that's the kind of thing that could happen. So there is definitely a comedic, anarchic, violent vibe to this. Yes. Early on, you can kind of like. They, I don't think this was a red band trailer, but they probably have a red band trailer that's going to be nuts. So the lead is played by Bill Skarsgård, and he is deaf and mute. So he is voiced. His internal monologue, we can hear it. Yes. Is by H. John Benjamin, aka Archer. Yes. yes, he actually explains he's like when they killed his parents and like injured him so that he it like deafened and uh, deafened him and he made him mute. Uh, he's like he's like I made a three point plan to to get my revenge. He's like step one find my inner voice and he's like <laughs> so it's narrated by his thoughts although I guess he will never speak right but it's his thoughts and he's like he's like use I used the last voice I remembered and it's the voice of like the video game announcer in like a Street Fighter game yeah yeah, yeah. You're like round one fight yeah that's who it's supposed to be uh, so you get these kind of very funny, I think, sardonic comments from him yeah. in voice, voiced by H. John Benjamin. The action looks great. Uh, by the way, his, part two of his plan was get strong, and part three was, like, find a team. Yeah. So this has a little bit of, I'm sure, a little bit of the found family thing that Guardians does, too. Um, but it focused on him and, like, him doing crazy action and fighting dudes. It's just a better overall looking yep. trailer. It looks uh, like fun. Um, well, it looks oh, like produced by Sam Raimi, and it has yep. that kind of vibe. It looks inventive, and we're right. also the. It's just kind of I've seen it. The evil family, uh, the Vanderkoy family, yes, is Famke Jansen, Michelle Dockery from The Gentleman, uh-huh. uh, Brett Gelman, who you've seen a bunch of stuff, and uh, there was one other name in there, Charlotte Corp- Copley, the star of District Nine. Yeah. Uh, that's so that's that's their evil. Them. That's their evil evil family. Yeah, I mean, this is clearly going to be a vengeance movie. That's doesn't try to hide what it is yeah. but it looks like it's got lots of style and some pretty good it, humor it reminded me a little bit of Guns Akimbo yeah remember that, uh, that. yeah Daniel Radcliffe yeah. and, and yeah. I think having the mute character who's the, the synergy that they're going to get from having him show you how he's reacting like he's going to physically like if he thinks it's a bad plan or whatever he, you're going to see him physically acting it out but you're also going to hear it's John Benjamin's voiceover of it and that combination of things, I think, could be very fun. It's going to be weird. It's going to be weird, yes. Uh, all right, let's talk movie challenge. Right. We all hit the inevitable decline. Yeah. After about uh, two to three weeks, you're kind of like, I've, I've got some other movies. stuff I want to do. Yeah. I want to play some yeah. video games. I want to do some yep. other stuff. Yep. And that's okay. Uh, if, if we all stopped right now, and I think we might be at that point, yeah. uh, then we've seen a lot of good stuff. Yeah, yeah I think it's accomplished its task. I saw about 20 movies, I think, most of which were in the challenge, some weren't. And I believe right. I'm going to land at around 15. Um, uh, Nick, you had that high. Did you get Did you get to 28 because you're a crazy jumpstart? Uh, I think I may have. I but... know Nick did also, like, he cheat watched a bunch of, like, other movies, yes. like, that don't fit in the categories. Yeah, yeah that's how I got to 20. I have a couple that did not fit in the categories, but I went and saw if a couple I movies in the theater. If I movies that don't fit the categories, then I saw, like, probably closer to 20. There you go. Um, so yeah, well, I do have a few last ones to report on. We may and we may have some next week. I, I, I probably I think I'm probably done. I'm moving on to I'm catching up on Scrubs and yeah. uh, and doing some other stuff. Uh, but um, yeah, let's I, I, my my final movie uh, for the challenge 
was 22 Jump Street. <laughs> I watched 29 movies. Hilarious. Oh, oh wow. Nice. That, that's, that was the Nick goal. Hit, Nick hit the goal. 29 movies, 29 days. Uh, so, yeah, I... Um, I I watched Twenty Two Jump Street, which I watched the previous Twenty One Jump Street. Yes, yeah. which is a Lord and Miller production. Yep, that's, so that's right. They're, they're the guys who did you know uh, Spider Verse Lego, Lego movie. movie. Yeah, they're uh, they're pretty they're pretty great. And uh, the Twenty One Jump Street was sort of a was it fourth wall one fourth wall breaking, but it was sort of meta. It was very about. Meta. A uh, you know, Twenty Jump Street is the, is the TV show, right? They had cops infiltrate high school and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. Uh, did they actually like? Did the Johnny Depp got his start on that show? He did. And so uh, Richard Grieco, remember I saw... him? Richard Grieco? Nope. I remember <laughs> the name from Twenty One Jump Street. Yeah. Um, I saw a little bit of the original Twenty One Jump Street movie. I'm trying to think. Is there anybody notable in it? Uh, yes, Tatum? it's Channing Tatum and. Okay. Uh, uh, who's the other guy, Nick? Oh. Don't they do a bit of the joke that they don't look like students? They don't look like students, yes. <laughs> He's everybody's like, who are Jonah you? Hill. Jonah, Jonah Hill. Hill. Okay. Jonah Hill and John... They're, Channing Tatum was his bully growing up. They both went to the police academy and became best buds. Okay. And then they go undercover in the high school and learn to be friends again. Solid premise. You like the previous one? Uh, the previous one was really funny. Yep. Uh, I don't remember a lot of it. Yep. This opens... They uh, the Ice Cube is their captain, by the way. Yeah. Okay. And Ice Cube is in full on mean mugging mode. It's great. Yeah. Um. So in this one, uh, the, the the joke at the end was that they were going to college. Okay. Uh, and then they do, and the intro we find out that they are like they're like doing remote college, <laughs> and, and it's like cyber crime or something like that, and they they want to get into the action, so they wind up going to actual college because they're trying to bust a drug deal, and <laughs> Channing Tatum. Basically becomes friends with uh, Wyatt Russell, who is playing the, uh, the the captain of the football team. Uh-huh. And the two of them become like best buds. And he gets to play football, which uh-huh. he never got to do when he was when he was younger. And so he's like becoming a football hero. And he's sort of losing the cop thread. And Jonah Hill is kind of jealous because his bro is another bro. Yeah, and yeah. they definitely do some like, these kids together are in a romance having some difficulties, that kind of thing. <laughs> Jonah Hill meets a girl. Uh, they hook up. Turns out she's the captain's daughter, uh-huh. uh, which the, the maybe the funniest scene is like Ice Cube. Ice Cube, yeah. yeah. The funniest thing they don't they don't spoil that. Like you don't see it coming until they're at like f- family weekend, and uh-huh. he shows up, and you realize what has happened. And he has just bragged to the captain about bagging some college <laughs> shit, and the captain's like high fived him. Oh my god! <laughs> and uh, and uh, it's amazing. Ice Cube when he when he finds it out when they're at dinner. Or they're like at, at like a family dinner, and she's introducing him as a new boyfriend, uh-huh. and Ice Cube is like staring him down, and, uh-huh. and she's like, "Do you know each other?" He's like, "No." <laughs> uh, it's hilarious. That's uh, pretty good. So there's some funny stuff in there. There's also some great meta bits. They're like, they're like, "Why don't you do the same thing?" That's what's going to be popular with people, and uh, you know, the same case, same type of case. Uh-huh. And then there's a bit about like, "Y'all have run through the budget. No more expensive chases. We can't afford it." But I'm talking, talking about the police budget. But it's really. The other thing, and this is a giveaway, but it's this is an old movie. I don't mind spoiling this one thing. At the end, uh, Nick, do you remember this? They get to the end of it, and I they're like, I... "This was so successful!" And then they show a variety of twenty-two Jump Street, yeah. twenty-three Impossible Jump Street, movies. twenty-five Jump Street yes. Yes. that are going to be them going to seminary school, <laughs> them going yeah. to dance school, uh-huh. them going to. Uh, they do a uh, generations where they bring in Richard Grieco. Like the notion oh, is like there's a hundred sequels, and they show us like a clip of each of them. Doesn't Johnny Depp in one of them? I think he might. Yeah, yeah. I think he does. It's if you, if very funny. If you are, you know, know that this is really probably going to be it. Yes, then, and you just put all your eggs in that one basket. Yeah. That's pretty good. Uh, there was no need to make this sequel. It's not.
not as good as the first one. Yeah. But it was fun to watch. I'm glad I watched it. But I think it. it's like akin to like making an Anchorman sequel. Yeah. You don't it's, need it. It's exactly but, the same as the Anchorman but, sequel. But it's a, it's a reason to get over and have fun. It's it's fun. It's worth a watch. If you like the first one, you like the second one. The other one I watched is not in the movie challenge. I went to the movies and saw Driveway Dolls, which is the new movie from Ethan Cohen and yep. his uh, co-writer. I think it's not co-director. I think it's co-writer. If it's co-director, then it's technically fit my female director. Come on. <laughs> but, um, it's uh, it the premise and the and the trailer look great. It looks like this sort of fun anarchic crime comedy. Uh, a pair of lesbian friends uh, take a driveway car, which is a car where you get you get a driveway service and you deliver it somewhere. So they're going from Chicago, I think, and driving this car to Tallahassee, Florida, in two days. Yep. And they get this car. And one of them is like this, uh, she's, it's Margaret Qualley, and she's this girl from, like, Texas. And she's this very, uh, she sleeps around, and she's very go-getter. And she's got her prim and proper buddy, who is played by, I think it's the girl from uh, Never Have I Ever. Okay. Oh, okay. But it, it's, it may not be, but it, it feels like that kind of character. And uh, the two of them are, like, you know, mismatched buddies, and they're going on a road trip. And it turns out that there's a suitcase in the, in the trunk that has something the criminals want. Okay. And so these two criminals are on their tail. Um, and that is sort of the premise of it all. It's not as quite as quirky and wacky as I'd want it to be. Um, it's it's solid. Uh, I feel like the Coens work best together. So just like yeah. this one Coen brother is not quite as good. But there's some fun stuff in it. He's the shit Coen it's, brother. It's pretty it's pretty quick. It's a it's a it's a quick fun movie. Uh, if you if you want if you need to see a uh, lesbian crime comedy this is probably your best bet this year. <laughs> um, is Beanie Feldstein in it? She is. She okay, she Beanie plays Feldstein. her cop ex-girlfriend, which is pretty great. Okay, she's always good. She's great. Um, it's fun. It's just not great. Yeah. Um, that's it for me. That's that's my movie challenge. Dave, you want to talk about Meet Me in St. Louis? Yeah, yeah. This is a, like a, I think, a late mid or late 40s movie. Um, I realized I have, uh, I think I put on my, on my, my list, it's the movies from before 1960. Okay. And I was just, I, I think I just pulled it from a list, basically. It's supposed to be a good movie, won a lot of awards. Okay. Um, I realized as I'm watching, it's a musical. Yep. And I did not, I've never seen a Judy Garland musical that wasn't Wizard of Oz. Um, and so this is the first one. It was very entertaining. And, but here's the thing. It is a, it is set, even though it was made in the 40s, it's set in 1903. Okay. And the, um, uh, they're, they're kind of a, this well-off family, and there's a kind of a classic dad, the patriarch, who everybody's like, oh, your father's coming home, uh, make sure his dinner's all ready, let's, let's get it all, let's everybody put on a good face for him. Mm-hmm. And so he's, but he's the kind of gruff but kind-hearted dad. There's four daughters, two older ones that are trying to find, uh, dates before they become old maids, but at, they become the spinsters. Of, at the age of 29. At the age of 18. Oh no! Yeah. Oh, I no. think, I think like one is like 18 and one <coughs> might be like 20 or something oh, like no. that. Oh no! Yeah, I know. And then there's two little, two little kids. And uh, by the way, my, somebody pointed this out to me. One of the kids actually got the same, uh, equal billing with, uh, Judy Garland because she was like, kind of one of those kids like, um, who's the little kid that everybody knows? Shirley Temple. Colin Culkin. Yeah. Uh, Shirley Temple <laughs> of the era. Uh, because I guess she could like sing and dance and stuff like that too. But anyway. So this movie actually turned out to be super good. I thought I was not going to be able to get invested in could a somewhat wealthy family find love and stuff. Yeah. Uh, the movie's broken up into seasons, actually, um, okay. as they, like, uh, and, and each one has a bunch of vignettes. So if you've ever seen a movie like, uh, 
a Christmas story where you see their family kind of go through uh, a year with a bit of a they're, they're, just like Christmas story has the through line of like is this kid going to get his BB gun yeah uh, the through line in this is kind of like are the girls going to find love but there's also a question of whether the father is going to leave St. Louis which they love and move to New York uh, for, for better work but disrupting possible romantic entanglements and some other things they have going on based on the title I think I know how this one ends <laughs> you might um <laughs> Um, but, uh, anyway, uh, it has, like, songs that were not my particular thing. Okay. Uh, but, like, they actually all fit really well in, in the movie. Uh, and here's the thing that, that, that struck me. The writing is super good. The character writing is, like, really funny and clever. Okay. The little girls are, like, little Wednesday Adamses. Yeah, you were telling me that, and I uh, thought I, that was interesting. I wrote down a line here. Uh, the, this kid thinks that, that like... The their their housekeeper, uh, she's like, "Where's my kitty?" And she's like, "Oh, she got in my way, and I kicked her down the stairs." And the oh, little no. kid goes, "If you killed her, I'll kill you. I'll stab you to death in your sleep. Then I'll tie your body to two wild horses until you're pulled apart." That is only one of about like a dozen insane things she says. <laughs> uh, they really leaned into this kid is macabre, and I was just like, "Oh, I didn't think the same movie that had the clang 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 went the trolley song <laughs> also have a child threatening murder would also have a child threatening to stab someone in their sleep." <laughs> so it is actually very funny at times. Um, oh, by the way, this kid also in the Halloween sequence during the autumn portion of this. Uh, these kids go out and they like, I guess in the early 1900s, the getting candy on Halloween was not a thing yet. They only pranked people. Oh. And the kids were all talking about it. the euphemism they would use. They would go and they'd like throw flour in people's faces and scream out, I hate you. I kid you not. And just run off. And they would say, I killed old man Bentley or something like that. They would say they killed them. Man, okay. uh, millennials killed the trick-or-treating industry. They really did. Um, <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, now here's the thing. Um, uh, the, the songs uh, were actually were, are really good in it. One of the songs is... Uh, Nick, do you mind looking this up? Um, it's, 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 it's a famous Christmas song. It's not I'll Be Home for Christmas. It's... Uh, but it's like it originated for this movie. Okay. And it's a movie It's not that, Christmas Baby, Please Come Home, is it? Uh, no. No, that, that's, that's like more like 60s era. Okay. Um, huh. Um, Judy Garland sings it, and it's a famous song. It's usually like kind of a warm and tender Christmas song you okay. think of. In this movie, have yourself a merry little Christmas. Have yourself oh, a merry little okay. Christmas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, was, was for this movie. Okay. In this movie, it is actually super sad when she sings it. They think that everything is falling apart, and they're going to have to move to New York. And so she's like got tears in her eyes while she's singing it to like the little girl, and they're kind of trying to just shoulder on through tough times. There's actually several very emotional moments in this movie that I was shocked to find myself drawn into because huh. uh, I just I didn't think it's one of those old movies where like things really come together and it's just really well done. Okay, so uh, I was not really excited to see this movie, but when I saw it, it ended up being awesome. The director is Vincent Minnelli, which is Liza Minnelli's father, who oh. did uh, Father of the Bride, Brigadoon, American in Paris. Yeah. That, uh, so I mean that makes and, sense, and a host of other movies. It had the feeling of being directed by somebody who knew what they were doing. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Um, uh, you also had Amelie. Amelie. Yep, I saw this. This is a well-known foreign movie, a French movie from I think two thousand six. Yeah. Um, and uh, uh, Nick, you've seen it. Yeah, I, the details are hazy in my memory. Okay, though, so it's a quirky movie that uh, is is pretty beloved in circles, and I think I had tried it one time, and I think it didn't take for me. Yeah, 
and and that's why I wanted to watch it again. Um, Randy, the thing I compared it to when we were talking the other day was when you and I saw Everything Everywhere all at once. Yes. It's just kind of manic when you're watching it. Yeah. The movie, it this is. movie does these little side cuts and like every time you meet a person, they give you some little, the narrator will still tell you some stuff about them real quick, kind of quirkily. It mostly follows this girl who's like, I don't know, 20 or something like yeah. that. She's like a kind of a cute little introvert French girl. But she's very much the magical pixie. Uh, yeah, pixie a little bit. Um, or that is that is her vibe. Yes. But she also, like everything in the movie is kind of heightened and surreal. <clears throat> she works at a cafe, which is one of the central locations. And uh, she ends up, she she's kind of like, she actually, there's some weirdly dark things in this movie at times. Like... You know, a suicide in the family or something like that. That yeah, I, I was surprised. No, I haven't seen all of this, but when I when I was watching it, I was surprised how dark some of it was. Or like this. This is just one of those weird. It's a French movie thing. Yeah, they're talking about how like oh she tried you know do the dating life, and they instantly cut to somebody having sex with her. Yeah, clearly just pumping away. Yeah, and she has this blank look on her face, like what's this all about? Uh, like I don't care. I, I remember that too. I was like, oh, this is like there's naughtiness in here. Yeah, there's naughtiness in there, but mostly the movie is actually this kind of rather cheery, quirky, surreal movie. I don't know quite what I'd compare it to other than everything, everywhere, all at once. You know what's um, interesting, Dave? But, this this is a bit of a bit of a stretch, but uh-huh. we just talked about the the Boy Kills World and it had that Bjork song. Yes. Like a, rem- a remix of it. Yes. This movie felt to me like if Bjork if Bjork did a romantic comedy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It feels like <laughs> it feels like nineties era Bjork if if she if she could have been the lead in a way. She even she looked pixie ish in the in her yeah. in her time. Yeah. This directed um, by the guy who did what? City of Lost Children and Dumb yeah. Testament. Yeah, the director yeah. I haven't connected with before, but this isn't in his style. Like those movies right. aren't like this. Right. Um so there's like it's kind of a constant barrage of like entertaining and funny and sweet moments. What she ends up doing, and this is the sort of plot of it, is early on she, like, finds through a weird series of circumstances almost like a cute version of um, Final Destination. A little, like, a hole in her wall in her bathroom, like, opens up, like, where somebody had, like, years ago some kid put his little box of, like, army soldiers and postcards and things like that, like a little time capsule. And she tries to figure out who he was and she wants to return it to him and do like a good deed. And when she actually does, she does it without him ever seeing her because she's kind of shy about interacting with people. Yeah. And he sees it and she is able to hear him talking about it like at like like uh, he goes into like a little uh bar or something like that and he's got tears in his eyes and he's like I can't believe it. He's like, you know, it's like I don't know who somebody's looking out for me and I found this thing that I'd forgotten from my childhood and you know and he realizes he hasn't talked to his daughter in like 10 years and he's going to try and reconnect with her and she's like, oh, this is what I'm going to do now. I'm going to do good deeds and make other people happy. And that is what much of the movie is about, is her trying to do nice things for other people, connect people romantically, do all these things, kind of like a little unseen fairy godmother for it. Uh, She is like a magical pixie girl. Okay. (laughs) Except, of course, no one is looking out for her. But she does have a few people that are sort of her confidants, a quirky guy who has that brittle bone disease who's a painter who she interacts with Mr. Glass? Uh, he, they, they literally like call him something like Mr. Glass Does he derail any trains? He does not Oh, um, oh but the, the scene I was going to tell you about from Meet Me in St. Louis yeah. the girls had made a little uh, on Halloween an Wait, effigy. Did she derail a train? She wanted to put this fake body on the tracks the little kids <laughs> so that the trolley would derail and, and overturn Sure Oh my god Yes <laughs> Anyway 
in the much less dark Amelie. <laughs> anyway, um, this, this is a sweet movie. Uh, I ended up liking it a lot. Um, and uh, it's, you know, it's more a certain type, uh, I think, but if, if somebody liked everything everywhere all at once to, to use a modern thing, yeah. they should uh, they should consider giving this movie a shot if they have not already seen it. Uh, and then you also were going to talk about Moonstruck. Moonstruck, famous uh, movie from, what, 1990 or so? Somewhere, yeah, somewhere in that ballpark. I remember seeing um, the trailer multiple times. It had Cher and Nicolas Cage before he kind of went full Nicolas Cage. Yeah. And he was kind of considered a quirky but serious actor. Yep. Yeah, he was an indie actor at this point. Yeah, yeah. he was an indie actor who'd been in, like, uh, uh, the Coen Brothers uh, Raising Arizona Wild on the comedic heart. side, Wild at Heart for uh, David Lynch. Yep. So, yeah, that was that was what he was doing. And this was about like uh, like uh, romance from an, uh, through through the eyes of a uh, Italian woman and her kind of glimpsed uh, uh, like lots of her Italian family. She has her whole extended family living in this sing- single kind of apartment that they. Uh, it's actually a really fun setup. It, it is for a lot of kind of like avenues into their it lives. Is. Um, it's another one that I at some point I had watched maybe like ten or fifteen minutes of, and I was like, I'm not feeling this. And that's kind of the point of the movie challenge was to sometimes shoulder through some of that. Yeah. And and so what happens is, yeah, early on, you see that, like, her mom and her dad are kind of snipey at each other and clearly not having a great marriage. And you will uh, find out that her dad is cheating on her uh, yep. on, on the mom. Uh, and uh, I think the lady who won the Academy Award was Olympia Dukakis, Dukakis. from this. Yeah. Who plays her yeah. grandmother, uh, who ends up with a story of her own with a little bit of kind of... Uh, the, oh, this movie is about all about cheating. I don't know if I told people that because if you just watch the trailer, you'd probably think, "Oh, it's a, some sort of sweet romance." That's what I it, thought it was. It is. It is that too. Uh, it's somehow I was like, I don't know how they can bring this all together in a way that is not grim. Uh, but, but I think they do. Don't they, they do. It actually ends very charmingly. Oh. Um, and yeah, her her grandmother is like uh, out and and seeing like um, she runs into the dude who played Fraser's dad. Who's that? John Mahoney. Yeah. John Mahoney at a restaurant. He is a college professor who occasionally dates his students. Sure. And it goes poorly, and she's like, she kind of comes over and, like, sort of does the slightly nosy Italian thing of, like, you know, it's like, you know, your problem is blah, blah, blah. And she starts telling him, and and he becomes intrigued. He's It's like he hasn't really talked to someone who's kind of closer to his own age. She's actually older than him, clearly, but she's, she's willing to give him, uh, to talk to him in a way that these kind of young girls or not and yep. he actually they, they end up making a connection but the main thing is with Cher has just gotten engaged to and by the way she is great in this movie she like is. truly uh, did she get an Oscar for it I don't think because she did I she like may have been nominated she, have been nominated. she could have and Nicolas Cage could have yeah, yeah. Um, she gets proposed to um, by Danny Aiello's character yep. early on uh, it's kind of clearly a little perfunctory. I think that's like they both feel like they're getting a little bit old. Yeah. She is an ancient 37. Oh, she actually did win. Okay. She oh, wow, it. really? She won, Olympia Dukakis won, and... Oh, I guess I should watch this as my uh, female Academy Award thing. Best screenplay for from John Dave, is that Stanley. is that the level? Is that where it went for you? Is that what? Was it, is this from female Academy Award winner? Um, is, that, is that what the category this uh, was in? No, I think this is in comedies for me, actually. Oh, okay. it is a comedy, right. for sure. Uh, despite all the infidelity. And uh, anyway, Danny Aiello uh, proposes to her, but it's like a, a bit of an awkward thing. Again, not it's not like they don't like each other, but it's a little perfunctory. But his mother is dying, and he has to go back and visit her in Italy. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, we'll get married when I come back. And he's like, by the way, I have an estranged brother I've never told you about. 
Uh, I'd really like to make peace and have him at my wedding. Could you go and see what you can do to get him to come to the wedding? That brother is Nicolas Cage. Oops, they fall in love. <laughs> and and he's a guy who has some problems. He's like this angry, isolated chef. Or not chef, but he's like baker. A, a baker. Yeah. Who has like an injured hand. He wears like an artificial hand. And blames his brother for a weird series of circumstances where he lost it, which really wasn't his brother's fault, but he blames him anyway. And he's yeah, he's clearly did. had a rough life, but they end up connecting. And, uh, he, you know, among other things, like, he's got an obsession with the opera. They go out to see the opera one night, and that's where she also runs into her dad. She runs into her dad and his girlfriend. And... <laughs> Convoluted things happen, and yep. stories are, and like, oh, nobody's going to say anything to anybody about this uh, occurs. Um, and a, it, it is on the movie to bring these all together. Uh, there, are, when Nicholas Cage, Nick, do you remember the scene where he's saying that he, after the opera, she said supposedly he's not supposed to. Um, she's like, let's just do this one thing, and then we never talk again. Yeah, right? I'm going to go marry your brother, and it's just, we're going to do the, what the plan was. And and he says, okay, we'll just do the opera, nothing else. Mm-hmm. But afterwards, he's like, I want you to come come up to bed with me. Right. And she's like pretty adamant that she won't. And he gives, I think, one of the great speeches speeches on passion. It's it's like not like a speech speech, but he's improvising it, or like he's on the spot. And he just he's like he's like he's like this is what real romance is is awkwardness and. Passion. And passion, and he said, I don't go care if I go to hell for this, I don't care if you go to hell for this. Yeah. He's like, I want you to come up there with me. A, and it is a great scene. Hmm. Uh, one of one of many great scenes in it. There's quieter scenes and there's kind of bigger scenes uh, too. Nicholas Cage, when he wanted to, he could he could turn it up. It took me a minute because he's got like he's not Nicholas Cage, but he didn't quite the same way everybody else seemed to like He's got a little bit of the manicness. Clearly uh, be like you know, like, oh, these are actual Italian actors or doing a great job of it. And his was just a little bit of Nicolas Cage. I think so, this may have been one of the first Nicolas Cage that I paid attention to. I, I was going to try to figure out when, when the Nicolas Cage split happened. When did it become Nicolas Cage? Because I'm was looking... It, uh, it might have been around Conair because this... Uh, okay, so bra- here's the thing. It was the Rock. This, the, oh, sa- right. the same year he did this, he did Raising Arizona. Which is him very in, in sort of man and Nicholas Cage but, mode, but, but it's, it's kind of a control. It's still in that award award ceremony. Yeah. Then in 1988, did Vampire's Kiss, which is pretty out there. It's, it's very out. Awesome. But but it's still after that he did Wild at Heart, um, uh, a bunch of things I never heard of. Honeymoon in Vegas, He's which all, is a little bit weirder. Yeah, but not that was quite. sort of his play in a romantic comedy. It's still still sort of indie. Yeah, I believe the split so happened here. He did Guarding Tess in 1994. Uh-huh. I love I. Guardian Test is one of those movies that shouldn't work. That's like a bodyguard movie, right? So he plays a secret service agent for uh, a first lady played by Charlotte McLean. Okay, it's I believe really I, endearing. I believe I found the the inflection point, as they, <laughs> as they say. Is it as, uh, what Nick guessed? It is in 1995. He was in Kiss of Death. I don't even know what that is. Playing that the bad, the, the cartoonish the bad guy, Caruso, David Caruso uh, in the lead. Oh, film. Um, it was not good. And that year, he also did Leaving Las Vegas, which was his one. Maybe at this point, he could but have been that, doing the one for them, one for me kind of thing. Well, Leaving Las Vegas is the thing that got him his Oscar. Yeah. And then in 1996, he did The Rock. Then Con Air, Face Off, City of Angels, Snake Eyes, Eight Millimeter. Yeah, it was it was it was the Rock. Ninety five to ninety six. I think Michael Bay may have, may uh, have broken him. him yeah, slightly. I mean he tried he tried coming back. I mean in ninety nine to bring out the Deb with uh, Scorsese. Yeah, and he also that year did Eight Millimeter, which is also a little arty. 
I mean, yeah, it's, but it's it, kind that's of bad. It's a little, that's like, trashy, though. Trashy, it was it was yeah. seven one. And then two thousand, he did Gone in sixty seconds and The Family Man. So that's that's a bit. Yeah. So he was trying to get back to it. Then he did Captain Corelli's Mandolin and Christmas Carol. Corelli was him trying to do it. Get Christmas it on Carol. Carol. Yep. I don't even remember. You mean a version Carol. of like he did the, the voice of Marley in an animated Christmas Carol. Oh wow, that yeah. had to have um, been the uh, Jim Carrey. Then Wind Talkers oh, and so. Sunny, which I don't even know. It's I don't remember Sunny. Huh. Oh, and adaptation. So 2002 was a little more experimental. Oh, adaptation. Then That's Matchstick great. Men. Yeah. Again. Uh, then the year after National Treasure. National Treasure may also have been. I feel like he he sort of he sort of rolled back into indie movies. And then something would drag him into Nicolas Cage. And he yeah. needed to buy a dinosaur. Uh, I mean, he has said at times that this is he has had to like pay his, yep. his creditors yep. Yep. and stuff at times. Well, he yeah. keeps buying dinosaur bones and cars. Yeah, yeah, and puts them in his. Uh, See the one room. who, when I was in New Orleans, who owns somebody like the the he owned like the crypt of Marie Laveau, the I'm famous sure. voodoo woman. Yeah. I think. Yeah, before he's always we been for, a weird dude. But before we go further, though, I have to say that uh, Danny Aiello made a big mark on my like childhood. Oh, yeah. really? Ways. Professional Hudson Hawk. Hudson Hawk, he's great. Hudson, Hudson Hawk, Hawk is an amazing. Uh, he did, plays did the like, psychic. Did you like um, uh, what do you call it? Uh, what was the horror movie he was in? Um, horror. It, it was a smaller role. Oh, uh, the, the one with uh, Tim Robbins. Well, he was. I was also big in uh, Spike Jones. Harlem Knight. Spike Lee's movie. Uh, oh, do the yeah, right thing. Do the right, right thing. Did the right thing. He but was also, great. Nick, just to go back to this. He is. He basically steals uh, Hudson Hawk, he even does. though Bruce Willis is great in it. David Caruso is great in it. I guess it. I um, always thought about it as like I've never seen this movie, by the way. What? As a Bruce Willis, uh, Danny Aiello movie. Dave, I recommend you watch it before the movie challenge ends. Uh, maybe it's. I don't know. I think it might be one of those. Uh, Dave might time. hate it, but I wanted to see it. Well, it was one of those weird movies where when I. We walked in. Uh, I saw a, it, and I loved it. I saw it in theaters, but we yeah. were late, yeah. so we were walking in right as it was starting, <laughs> and it starts in such a bizarre fashion that I'm like, did we walk into the it wrong starts, fucking movie? It starts with, the, for those who don't know, it starts with Leonardo da Vinci inventing his flying machine. Dave, he wow. was in the stuff. And it... Oh. Uh, which, that's not stuff. what I was talking about, no. but I know that that was an iconic one for you. It's, it's iconic in a, in a bad way. <laughs> scared the hell out of me as a kid. Yeah. Uh, Jacob's Ladder. Jacob's Ladder in? is the one, yes. Yeah, okay. he, he has a small yeah. but notable supporting role in it. Uh, but yeah, weirdly, uh, you know, just for the professional alone and Hudson Hawk. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I watch those movies endlessly. Uh, yeah, and and for me, it was actually was do, do the right thing and and the professional. Yeah. Wait a minute, wait a minute. The professional. He was. He's the the basically oh, right. Leon's. He, what's his character's name? Uh, crap, I can't. Remember. Nobody knocks <laughs> over like old Tony or whatever. Yeah, it, it is you very know. like old Tony. He's like, he's like a bank, but better than a bank. Yes. Um. Okay. So so, so my last three. If, if these are last three, they were like actually all like four to five star movies. Nice. That's so it was, it was it was a good good outro. Nick, what what closed out the movie challenge for you? Uh, I watched uh, Priscilla, which is uh, the. Elvis uh, Priscilla wife. Presley yeah, Priscilla yeah, Presley's yeah. biopic very good by Sofia Coppola okay. uh, a little meandering and kind of like not uh, it wasn't a whole like huge great story but it was really well done uh, I watched a romantic comedy called Anyone But You uh, which is a play on Shakespeare's Taming of the Shrew. Who's in that? I feel like... Oh, that is, that is Sidney Sweeney, Sweeney and uh, Glenn Powell, who's about to be in Twisters and was in Top Gun Maverick. Yeah. Uh, I really enjoyed this one. It was, very kind of like, of <laughs> it was very kind of like... It was very kind of naughty. And I, oh, I, a good naughty comedy is a lot of fun at times. 
They're, they had just some really fun ideas and executions. I just thought it was nothing to write home about, but I, I had a really good time with okay. it. And then for my finale, because Dune 2 comes out this week, I rewatched Dune uh, to sort of get the get back in there. You're like, frame. oh yeah, what happened? Right, because yeah, I was with, like... Yeah. Uh, the Atreides family and the Harkonnens. It's a good movie. I don't know if it's a great movie. I, I liked it way better than I expected to. I think I did. I, I agree I, with you, Nick. It's a good movie. Uh, I, 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 my wife and I would she say it has some original, very good scenes. I, I, lo- I love that my wife had, like at the, the very end of it, she was like, uh, "So it's ending here. It's just getting good. It's just getting to something that's interesting." <laughs> and I'm like, "You're not wrong, but there, there's I a like lot of, a lot of the build up stuff that's going on in I it." I like the guy who plays the computer. He's always a cool guy. Oh, the the Mentat guy. Yeah, the Mentat. Yeah, that that I forget the name of that actor. Yeah, he's uh, he's just been around in everything. Yeah, but I mean, it is a solid movie. Timothy Chalamet does a good job as Paul. Yeah, Oscar Isaac is good. Uh, they're 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 a space royal family in yeah. like future feudal times. Like very mm-hmm. much, it, it would go on to inspire like Warhammer forty k. Yeah, yeah. Um, the look of it is insane. And they're given control of a uh, planet of spice, uh, which is in fact a trap for them yep. because yep. the emperor would in fact not like these rivals around. I, he would rather that they be killed. You know, it's I, funny. It actually compares like Game of Thrones a little bit. Oh, very yeah. much so. Yeah, it's because it's got the feudal. It's got like the literally the wrangling over the yeah, throne. Yeah, yeah. Because nice I think guard. the deal is, um, who who plays Duke Leto? He's the that's Oscar Oscar Isaac. No, uh, oh yeah, Oscar Isaac. Yes, um, he has like a sort of a potential claim to the Emperor's yeah. throne, yes. yeah. uh, which which of course makes him a dead man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but the Emperor basically gives him a gift that's not really a gift and ends yeah. up getting uh, all of them killed. Yeah. Uh, no, by the way, like, he knows it's a trap too, which I thought, yeah. was, this was always kind of one of the interesting things when I read the book and stuff like that, is like, we know that going to this planet is a trap and <clears throat> we just have to try and figure a way out of it. I just yeah. wish they had worked a little harder. It feels like they could have... Uh, you think? You could have... They're just like yes, they, just they, they got spice production going, and they're like, "Hey, guards, you know, be on the watch." I mean, I did, <laughs> but like maybe they needed to be more. I did on the applaud watch. him, like trying to uh, recruit the uh, people of the land, yep. the uh, yep. the Fremen. Uh, this, I honestly think this may be one of uh, Jason Momoa's best roles. Oh, Jason Momoa's goodness, yeah. <laughs> He's really charismatic. Yeah. He, he plays, uh, he is uh, Duncan, Idaho. Duncan, Idaho. Duncan Idaho. One of the trainers, <laughs> the names are ridiculous. <laughs> one of the trainers of Paul. Yeah. He's, he's trying to buy a bunch of badasses who yeah. taught him how to sword fight. But stuff. they send him ahead of uh, basically them leaving their planet right. to sort of in, in, like, go in, mingle in with the natives. With the Fremen, uh, yeah. The uh, also, Javier Bardem as the leader of the Fremen. Yeah, he, yeah he's, he's good. He's fantastic. Uh, who plays Who plays Gurney? Uh, that is uh, Josh. Brolin. Josh Josh Brolin also really good. It's, in this a, it's role. an all star cast. Yeah, and Batista as uh, Beast Raban. Beast, Beast Raban. Yeah. yeah. Stellan Skarsgård. Uh, and we'll, we'll meet the other the other Har- Harkonnen, uh, the 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 Blade Master guy in the in the next movie. I, I keep I keep yeah. seeing the trailers, and I'm I'm very excited to go see the second one. I I thought I was going to be bored stiff by this movie, and I wound up really liking it. I am rewatching. It, he made a, I will say this: like I have I have some fondness for the David Lynch one, but it's like on the whole, <clears throat> well, all versions of Dune are boring actually. Um, <laughs> but uh, this is the least boring and most approachable of them, and I have to congratulate. Denis Villeneuve uh, yeah. on on making it very well, uh, doing like a, like a mainstream version, but like you know how like Lord of the Rings was a mainstream series of movies, but it actually did have some kind of kind of cornball stuff. Nobody tosses a dwarf and all and that. Like, you might that. love it, but it's also kind of 
it's kind of a little cringy uh, stuff. He, he didn't. He didn't do that. He stayed no. uh, true enough to the book. Didn't dive into the boring stuff, um, but also didn't like camp it up or anything. So, no. uh, so I'm I'm fairly impressed with his vision. I was also uh, the guy that Paul fights at the very end. Is that the shirt that you have? Yes. You yes. know who plays him? I didn't yeah, recognize. Is it at the doctor? It's from, the doctor from Star Trek. Yeah, uh, he's an actual martial artist, yeah. so he probably. I just knew didn't recognize him fight. when I originally watched the yeah. movie. I was like, "Oh, wait a minute! I know this guy now." Uh, yeah, suddenly I can't say the. His name starts with J. Jaris or Jamis. Jamis. It's spelled like J A M I S, and I don't know if you say Jamis or Jamis. But but yes, the the shirt that I had made had printed was. Based on a memorable scene in the books yeah. that I don't know if they'll translate into the movie because it comes after he kills him. And also, uh, one of the standouts for me was Rebecca Ferguson as uh, Paul's mom. mom. Yeah, and the way they did the voice and the, all that stuff was very cool. The voice is really cool. The Bene Gesserit are scary. Um, oh yeah, yeah, they should be. They, I mean, yeah. they're master political manipulators and all that stuff. You know what's weird to me? They're still There's, doing the show, right? The they still Max talked show? about. It. I don't know if it's Man, actually happening. They've been talking about it for yeah. years. Yeah. I, I, here's the thing: is like, I bet it gets fast tracked if this movie does well enough. Well, or lost if it doesn't. Yeah. Well, I mean, early reviews of the second Dune movie are like stellar. Yeah. So yeah. I, I have tickets. I, I'm going to go see it on Saturday. I'm excited. So this is opening weekend. Yep. Okay. I know. Yeah. Um, y'all, are y'all going to watch the Avatar Netflix? I am not. I, I mean, I probably will. I will but try not, it out, but you can you can speak yeah, freely. Please do. So please. let me talk about it. So I you watched it all, right? I love the Avatar animated series, and I really love Korra, and so one of the best animated. I series was hoping of all time. because One Piece For me, was a, the best. One Piece was great, uh, and I've never had never read or watched any right. One Piece animated, but I was like, okay, maybe they can do a live action. It'll be the sort of fun, weird anime, and, and get it all right. And so I started watching it, and the reviews have come in a little brutal. Yeah, uh, and I think the reviewers are being overly harsh on it. I think a lot of them are coming at it from it's not the cartoon. Yeah, right. and that's fair. Like if you go in expecting this to be the cartoon, it's not. But it's got the spirit. I would say if if I was to, to s- describe it, it is they're making Avatar for the grown-ups who watched the cartoon when they were younger and are now are older and can handle a little more sophisticated, okay. uh, like more mature, darker story. However, in doing that. They lost some of the fun, right? Like they're they're trying. Like there's Sokka still got a little bit of the goofball to him. Aang has a little but bit. Not of, there's as some much. goofy moments, but it is definitely like it, okay. To give you an example, uh, the Avatar the, the the animated show starts with Sokka and and uh, Katara finding yep. the Avatar in ice, right? Uh, and it's kind of fun. And in the first episode, they go penguin ice sledding, right? None of that's in this one. Well, they find the Avatar, but the penguin ice sledding, all that stuff. Some of the fun stuff got cut. Yeah, this opens at the air temple right before Aang finds out he's the Avatar. Okay, hmm. as Monkeyatso, all the stuff they didn't flashback later. Yeah, it opens start. at the air temple, huh. and they and they basically are telling him it opens actually showing the fire the Fire Nation has they cap they got an Earth Nation spy they captured, and he's like you're too late I've I've passed on the plans and the Fire Nation the, the Fire Lord is like I'll be wanted you to pass along the plans and basically they're distracting the Earth Earth Kingdom so all the Earth Kingdom gets together. In one place, and the attack is actually on the air temple okay. because he's wanting to uh, stop the avatar from being. He wants to find and find and capture the avatar before he becomes the avatar, okay? Because that will let him conquer the world. Sure. Uh, and so he basically sends in his firebenders to wipe out the air nation, 
and there's a te- there's a, uh, a, a a ceremony going on. So the air temple people from the south are coming to the air temple in the north or whichever way. Yeah. So all the air nomads are in the same place, and then the firebender the firebender show up and kill everyone. Okay, and they Don't show them tense. killing everyone, including the kids that Monkey Atso is trying to protect. Oh wow! Like there's a cool fight scene where he fights off a dozen air firebenders, but eventually the fire lord lights him on fire. Uh-huh. In front of all the kids, and the implication is that he kills all the kids too. Like they kill everybody. That's the opening. This is not. That's not a terrible idea. No, but it sets it a different is a tone. Different vibe. It's a very different is tone. The, is Fire Lord played by Daniel Dickin? Yes, but not the one of the past. Uh, okay. He is Fire Lord Ozai. Okay. Um, Randy, it's, it, you were talking. We were talking off mic earlier, and as reminded, like uh, when I originally watched Avatar years and years back. Yep. Um, it took me a few episodes to get into it because I thought it was a little too goofy. They did like the wacky sound effects and the anime effects, and yeah. Sokka in particular is very goofy. And Aang is a little doofus. Yeah, um, but but it's like part of the charm. It is kind of part of the charm, and yeah. and it may, it will determine for you whether or not is for some people that's a deal breaker. Right. Uh, it was not a deal breaker for me, but I definitely watched the first couple episodes and I was like, this is okay. I don't know if I'll finish it. Yeah. But I went through. I was watching it as I was doing some other some other store homework, and as it goes on. Uh, I will say the casting is fantastic, and the the world looks amazing. Like they, what they're doing with live action and CG is spectacular. Okay. I guess what they, by the way, that, what that opening did was it showed you all four nations. Yep. Right. And yep. It gave you the lore. Yep. And and it kind of like showed you the stakes. Yeah. There's no waterbenders in the first part, I guess. Oh, okay. But the other thing is kind of the slight change is that the firebenders are hunting benders. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I don't know if that was quite the case in the animated series. No. So, like, Katara hides her waterbending. Hmm. They, they're like, Sokka doesn't want her to waterbend because she has, she's barely started waterbending because uh, they don't want the firebenders coming after them. Oh, no. Which is kind of a little, that's kind that's, of different. That's a different. And I thought that was unusual because one of the things that was kind of cool about Avatar is, like, bending is everywhere. Yeah, bending is Like, it's split. built into it. It doesn't quite make sense with the rest of it. So when they go to Omashu, the Earth Nation, like, it is still, they use earthbending to open the doors. Like, earthbending is a thing. Yeah, yeah. But it's it's presented basically a little bit more than, than in the cartoon where the waterbending was... one of those was, things where it would be just constant special effects. Yeah, I think... Be like, an average episode would go from having, say... 15 special effect scenes to 38. And that may be why they like. did it the way they did. But this is definitely presents a sort of a world in which the Fire Nation won the war. They are dominating most of the planet. The Earthbenders are like, they have a couple big cities that are holding out, Omashu and uh, Basingsei. Uh-huh. The Waterbenders are all but ignored. They just exist in the polar ice caps. And the Airbenders are gone. So it's definitely a, like, a different world. It's almost post-apocalyptic in that the Fire, Fire, Fire Nation really just, like, they won this war. Yeah. It definitely sounds darker. It's definitely darker. But that said, um, they're casting stuff. So uh, Zuko and Iroh mm-hmm. are both great. The guy playing Iroh is the guy who plays... That's pretty key. Uh, he's, he's from uh, uh, Mandalorian. He's Captain oh, he's Tabo or whatever. Yeah. He's yeah. that guy. He's great in this. Yeah. He also is in Kim's Convenience, which I haven't watched, but I've heard is great. Yeah. Uh, he's got the Uncle Iroh thing down. I can, like, I can see him pulling it off. It's not... the And nothing in here... The problem is, none of this is better than the animated series. Right. None of it quite rises to the level of the animated series. Right. Like, his Iroh is great. What I would say about this is, if there was no animated series... This would be a fantastic show. Interesting. But because it has to compete with one of the best animated series of all time, yeah. right. it's hard not to be a little disappointed by it. That said, uh, their casting is great. Um, they uh, they have the... 
Utkash Ambadar, you know the, the guy from Ghosts. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He yeah. plays Boomy. Oh. And he's basically invisible in that role. He looks like Boomy. Oh, that's the only awesome. reason I knew him is because I looked the, the voice sounded familiar. I looked him up on IMDb. I'm like, oh my god, is that guy? I just started uh, watching or watching Ghosts again. I'm yeah. picking up where I left off. Uh, so he's really good in that role. Uh, their their bounty hunter they've got with like the terrorizing tongue mm-hmm. lizard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really good. Um, the guy playing uh, the guys from Lost, uh, Miles Leung, I think Ken Leung. The guy who was uh, in in Lost, he yeah, was like yeah, he had yeah. psychic visions. He yeah. is the admiral who's like working against Zuko, oh, yeah, yeah, okay. and he's really good in this role. Um, the the casting it's funny, is great. I'm on, a, I'm on a Lost fan page on Facebook, yeah. and they've noticed. You know, they they noticed several yeah. of the Lost yeah. uh, acolytes are in that. Uh, Ang is, is good. He's not as goofy, but he's. I mean, casting a kid that young who can bring this sort of the the gravitas you want from the Avatar. Yeah. That's impressive, and he's good. Sokka is not quite as goofy, but he's a good character. Okay. Katara, not quite Katara, but she's... They're all good. They're just right. not as good as their their animated versions. Right. Not as good as the animation. Much better than the, better the movie, but that's... I mean, that's, that's... Here's the thing. Even if the movie hadn't existed, this would still be really good. Yeah. Right. But by comparison, yes, it's amazing. Yeah. Uh, I wound up watching it all. There's they they get to the the attack on the the uh, waterbenders of the north at the yeah. end. Uh, that's really well done. They do the thing with the moon, mm-hmm. um, and the girl playing Yue, uh, mm-hmm. the the sort of Kasaka's sort of love interest, right. is Amber Midthunder from oh, Prey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, she's great. So there's lots, and there's some of the there's some there's some stuff with Zuko and Iroh that is of the on the same level as what they did with Zuko and Iroh in the animated series. There's some really good familial stuff. There's also, there's a really interesting thing. You know how Zuko just has this, like, band of people around him? Yeah. In the animated series, they never really did much with him. They were just Fire Nation soldiers. Yeah. In this one, it turns out that Zuko, the reason he got in the Agni Kai with his father uh, is that this father was, like, going to sacrifice this legion, this 41st legion, uh, against the airbenders because... They were the less, they were the least trained people, and so they were worth. So he was just gonna, he was just gonna send them as a diversion, and have them all killed. Uh-huh. And Zuko objected to this in a strategy meeting, mm-hmm. and that's what led his father to do the Agni Kai and basically burn him and outcast him and all that. Uh-huh. And Iroh basically talks to the guy, uh, is telling the guy the story, and the guy's like, "But we're the forty first and he realizes that, that this guy who thought that the prince was like being arrogant all the time, that he basically sacrificed his entire life so that their unit would not be killed. Right, and now they're his soldiers. Okay. And that's a really cool little moment. That is. That's a neat idea. So there's some good stuff in here. I I saw the the creator talking. He did an interview about it. And he was talking about being able to do some of the darker stuff, mm-hmm. and felt like in some ways I'm like in some ways I think you missed the point. Right. And in some ways you've got you've got I get what you're doing. So it's good. I would say it's good. I've seen people who love it. I've seen people who hate it. Uh, I will. I will give that a try. Yeah, I will, I will give that a try. I, what I would say is give it three or four episodes. Okay. But it does have it has the secret tunnel song, it has the cabbages guy, it's got uh, it's got the Kyoshi warriors and they're done really well. Um, Sokka's journey is different, but it's still Sokka learning to be kind of cooler. They got yeah. the boomerang, they've got Momo, they've got Appa. Like, there's a lot of stuff that really works in here. Are there the other like hybrid animals that, like all over? In the Lesser. World? So there there are badger moles. 
Okay. Um, so they didn't forget they, about it. They didn't right. forget I about it. It's, like, it's not quite as ubiquitous. Okay. Because in, in Avatar, it was so ubiquitous that when the Emperor just had a bear, it was weird. Because it was <laughs> yeah. like, it's just a bear? Yeah. It was not a hybrid of anything I, I, else? I, I, yeah. I find it great. Uh, so, so, no, it was weird in World. I know, I know. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah. I Ultimately, I'm glad I watched it. And I think I will. If I'm, I'm kind of hopeful they'll do more. I think they've they've got the spirit. It's do not, you think it'll get a renewal? I don't know. I can't ever tell. You yeah, know, I loved, I loved the live-action Cowboy Bebop, and it was just a, a disaster for them, apparently. I would really have loved more of that. True. Whereas One Piece did great, and, and they're clearly going to do more. Yeah. That One Piece seemed to be accepted among both the anime fans and noobs. It also, I think One Piece had the original creator working on it. Yeah. This one... I think this one lost a lot of cred when the two creators left it. It did. Uh, it, it, everybody I've heard who talked about it has mentioned that. And that's the thing. I think I think those guys knew what they were doing walking away and I don't know why they walked away. I wonder if they found it too dark or if they were if they were missing Maybe. the goofiness. What if they're like we need more fart jokes? It might have been. I don't know. <laughs> uh at any rate, uh, this is worth watching, and I would recommend people who like Avatar watch it. You may hate it. I have a couple friends who just loathe this thing. What a fence-sitting review. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> but, uh, but I really enjoyed yeah, it. I know when you were posting about it the other day, and you were saying, and I've encountered this sometimes, it's like, sometimes you can see, it's like, okay, I can see why this absolutely wouldn't connect for some yeah. people, why the people that can get past it might really like it. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just like, where do you land on that spectrum? Yeah. Because it's it's not always super obvious. I thought I was going to be more on the side of disliking it. By the end, I'm definitely, I lean more into the, this is pretty good. Okay. Uh, again, I don't know that they needed to make it, because there's nothing wrong with Avatar as it is. Right. So, tough, yeah. tough show up? Tough is not until season two. Until season two. Okay, I wasn't yeah. sure how they were going to, yeah, yeah, structure that. Yeah. Uh, okay. They did, basically, they did all of one season in, in nine or ten episodes. Yeah. So, they, they had to compress a lot. But I assume but that these Jet, are... Jet is in there. They use... Hour-long episodes? Uh, yeah, they're hour-long. So, so, it's also, like, every episode of this could be yeah. two of the anime. You remember Jet and his resistance fighters and how yeah. they were in sort of a village? They brought them into Omashu. They tied them into the Omashu story. Oh, okay. They, they've done some good... There were some smart decisions made to get all all the important story elements in by compressing yeah. some stuff. Um, yeah, it works. Oh, also, Danny Pudi plays the inventor who builds, like, the gas balloons and all that uh, stuff. And they're not at the their air temple. They're in Omashu, too. So a lot of big stuff happens in the in Omashu, the Earth Kingdom thing. Okay. Which kind of makes sense. Um, I, I, it's, it's not as good. It's just <laughs> not as good. But it is really good. I would okay. recommend it. Uh-huh. All right. Uh, I think that's it for us this week. Hopefully you can hear most of this podcast. Be sad if you can't. We're really sad if this is just a buzzing noise. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Go watch also Star Wars Bad Batch. Oh, yeah. Bad Batch. I forgot Bad Batch came back. So I, did, I did watch good. it. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm digging it. And I'm also on the TV front this week. I think tomorrow starts Shogun. Shogun starts, yeah. I, yeah. I've been hearing glowing reviews, and nice. I'm very excited. I'm going to give it a look. Yeah, right. I'm interested, too. Um... I mean, at some point I wouldn't have minded just watching the original, what, 70s or yeah. 80s one, right. but, uh, but a... this one is going to be... Fancy, a fancied up new one? But yes. Dave, you have to watch Hudson Hawk instead. Oh, right. Sure. <laughs> no. You'll hate, you'll hate Hudson Hawk. Uh, so it, it, I it remember back in, well, what year, 90... Yeah, whatever it was, something. 90 something, yeah. My brother and his uh, friend Jimmy, yeah. uh, they watched this movie at least a few times. Yeah. And I like would hear it in the background. Yep. And I caught how weird it was. I, I think you would hate it. <laughs> I, I don't know. I like, I. That's a very early. I definitely wasn't there for it originally. Yeah. That may be yeah. just the thing that's also, required. Like David Crusoe shows up. He plays a weird mime. He's guy. a mime. Sure. He's a mime who works for the CIA. Yeah, he spent. Uh, his code name is Snickers? Uh, Kit Kat. <laughs> Kit Kat. Snickers is the big guy. 
Oh, Snickers the Big Guy. How did okay. such a weird movie get made, by the way? I don't know. <laughs> There's got to be a good story by. I it. I don't know. And that, that has, yeah. Oh, who was the comedian? She's very abrasive. Oh, uh, Sandra Bernhardt. Sandra Bernhardt. Um, uh, and the guy who played uh, Loki in Loki, the not not right old Loki, Richard yeah, Grant. Richard Grant. Richard Grant and Sandra Bernhardt is like, are they husband and wife or brother? They are and husband and wife. Okay, good. Uh, <laughs> uh, Over the top villains. It's weird. Bunny ball ball. <laughs> All right. I just think I want y'all to go and tell me the tales. <laughs> yeah, we'll tell you. We'll tell you the story of Hudson Hawk. Really crush on Andy McDowell in that. Andy McDowell's great in it. She's great. She's a nun. She talks dolphin. She does talk about them. <laughs> you can't see Dave's face, but yeah. it's pretty great. Yeah. Confused. <laughs> All right. Uh, that'll wrap it up for us this week. We'll be back next week with more and better sound quality, hopefully. Until that time. Yo, Joe! <laughs> Roguecast is a weekly podcast broadcast from Rogue's Gallery Comics and Games in Round Rock, Texas. You can find us online on Facebook and at www.roguesgallerytx.com and email us comments or questions at roguesgallerytx at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.